Hello and welcome to the Free America Podcast. Today is Sunday, February 6th. The year is 2022 and I'm your host, Nick Yaya, and this is Free America. This is what we do. We're here to free America from these globalist tyrants that are trying to destroy our country. And today's guest is doing just that. It's Dr. Peter Bregan. He's authored a a bombshell book, a tell-all book about exactly what is going on uh, with this whole situation. It's called COVID-19 and the Global Predators. We are the prey. And in this book, it's just a fantastic uh, outlay of information, which ties together everything from the COVID-19 perceived crisis and how it's been used by these globalists to unseat a duly elected president, to destroy the American economy, to roll out the the new Chinese communist era of globalism uh, around the world. And so we'll be getting into that and a lot more. So stay tuned for that. It's going to be a really exciting interview. Really excited to have him on the show. Um, anyhow, folks, uh, as we always like to do off the top of the show, going to get to some uh, some news for you. I uh, actually I hit the wrong button there, so it's going to take me just a second to pull it up while my computer um, uh, catches up to what we're doing here. Unfortunately, it's probably frozen the screen here. <laughs> uh, let's try that again. Okay, share screen. We're going to share that uh, screen right here. All right. So here is uh, here is the book. Here's Dr. Bregan's book. And uh, we'll be giving you, of course, the link to buy this book and get your hands on this. Uh, it's already sold. A, it's a bestseller with already uh, already 55,000 copies sold worldwide. So you'll want to get your hands on this. This is great to have um, a great resource to have when when we're looking back on this and to see exactly what happened and who was responsible and how we prevent this from happening again in the future. So we'll be talking about all of that uh, coming up now. Uh, as always, if you like what we do here at the Free America Podcast, please consider visiting freeamericapodcast.com and sharing this with your friends and family and other people that you would like to inform about what is going on in our world. We always try to bring you the latest and most up-to-date information with regard to the COVID-19 pandemic, as well as other issues that I feel are uh, pressing and important for you to know about. But here at the website, you will find links to the video portion of this show, as well as the audio portions available on places like Apple, Google, iHeart, and Spotify, as well as other podcast outlets that you can take with you on the go. Okay, starting off with news. Um, our, our Some good news. This is out of Canada. This is this is something that's been occurring now for a little over a week. And boy, has it not gotten the mainstream media's attention, but it certainly has gotten my attention, as well as many others. Um, thousands of, of people have now converged upon Ottawa in week two of the trucker convoy protests. So that's uh, about 50,000 trucks descended on, on the city of Ottawa, which is the capital of Canada, last week, last Saturday. And since then... Uh, it's been just it's been one big, massive protest that has essentially sucked down the center of the city. And their demand is an end to all the mandates that are brought about by the Canadian government and Justin Trudeau and the different um, uh, not governors, but the, 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 the well, the governors of the provinces. Essentially, they're called premiers um, <clears throat> and asking them to rescind all the mandates. We're talking about the vaccine passports, the mask mandates, the vaccine mandates, the uh you know, the, the mandates preventing people from going into certain stores and so forth, right? That's what they're demanding, and that's what they're not going to leave until they get. So 
Uh, this is great news. It just is growing in size in the mainstream media, uh, and the very least is trying to attack it by by showing one or two people um, with flags that have maybe a Nazi symbol on them or a swastika being used to essentially show the, the that the Canadian government is acting like Nazis, is acting like these authoritarians. Yet the media twists it as always and claims that oh, these are a bunch of Nazi racist misogynist blah 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 so on and so forth. The same tactic they use to discredit us time and time again over the past several years. Anyhow, more news on that. Um, farmers are, are driving tractors have broken through police barricades to join the Freedom Convoy. Now, this is near the border at, uh, between Alberta and Montana at a place called um, Coots, uh, I believe. I don't, it, yeah, it should be here. But it, yeah, the Coots blockade. Um, and... <laughs> And I won't show you the video, but yeah, I will leave this link for you to check it out. It's really inspiring. The, the cops have tried to block them from reaching the border, and they broke through the barricade by driving down the opposite side of the highway and went right around the cops. And so these people are true heroes. They're standing up at great risk to themselves by having their vehicles towed, by being impounded, by them being put in jail for doing this. And so if you would like to support them, please go to givesendgo.com. As you might have heard, uh, people made numerous contributions to GoFundMe. And GoFundMe has since paused that and essentially stolen the money and taken it away from their rightful, uh, the rightful recipients of these funds. It's uh, close to, I think, 9 or $10 million. And um, latest news on that is that uh, they were going to then re-divert the funds to a charity of their choosing. And when there was such an uproar and people started demanding their money back uh, by, by actually contacting their banks and asking to reverse the charge, which it actually cost GiveSendGo, excuse me, um, GoFundMe, it actually cost them money. GoFundMe then reversed their policy and decided to refund everybody's money. So another win for us there. Um, worldwide, this is having an effect. We're seeing freedom convoys right now here in this particular article from Gateway Pundit in Helsinki, Finland. But we're also seeing convoys in Germany, in Australia. Uh, we're seeing some here in the United States. There's word of a convoy that's forming to head to Washington, D.C., as well as one right here in my hometown of Los Angeles, which is going to blockade the Super Bowl at SoFi Stadium in, in Inglewood, which is just outside of Los Angeles. So that would be next Sunday, and that will be quite interesting. I'm going to possibly be on the ground um, documenting that, so I will bring you footage of that if and when I do. Now, here's something scary that I suspect might be a false flag operation in process, in progress. The Ottawa police are teeping, teaming up with federal intelligence agencies, including our own Department of Homeland Security and FBI, to launch enhanced intelligence operations and investigations against truckers for Freedom Convoy. So essentially, they are infiltrating the convoy. They're also um, targeting individuals who are participating it and in it and they're using investigations to determine who these people are in terms of uh, tracking their, their financial records, digital history, vehicle registration, driver licenses, insurance status, et cetera, uh, that can be used to criminally prosecute convoy participants. So again, they're using this sort of uh, authoritarian measures to intimidate and, and cause people to back down. Um, but what I... The reason I have concern for this after reading this article is that it seems to me 
And based on the statement made by this gentleman right here, um, he was the Ottawa police chief. Um, it, it, it seems as if they're looking for, um, here it goes, uh, unlawful acts such as harassment, mischief, hate crimes, and noise violations. And so as we've seen in the past, they may bring in agent provocateurs to instigate these instances or incidents in order to justify them then shutting down and forcefully removing uh, people and vehicles from this protest. So we're going to keep a close eye on this and um, hopefully nothing bad will come of it, but it's something to be concerned about nonetheless. All right, moving on to the hypocrite of the week. Uh, that would be Los Angeles Mayor Eric Garcetti, who was spotted last week at a football game at SoFi Stadium. Uh, and and he stated that when he was spotted without a mask while taking a photo with Magic Johnson, that he was holding his breath. And yet he can be spotted throughout the event not wearing a mask, presumably holding his breath the entire time, which is an amazing feat, uh, considering that he is just a mere mortal. But uh, no, we're not buying that Garcetti. And he came out, you know, with this 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 just BS statement that he was holding his breath, uh, much like they say Bill Clinton's admittance that he didn't inhale marijuana, right? So this is typical politician doublespeak and um, a flat-out lie. There's the photo of him, as you can see, with Magic Johnson and another person. Uh, and also our, our governor, uh, Gavin Newsom, was spotted not wearing a mask as well. Yet these two people have been insistent on, on muzzling and masking up our children in schools uh, to their detriment, I might add. They, you know, medically, this is a big issue. The, the kids are not getting proper oxygenation. They're having headaches. They're suffering uh, a variety of medical issues associated with breathing in your own uh, uh, exhale. You know, they're, they're suffering from uh, uh, pulmonary diseases, um, diseases of, uh, um, you know, um, viruses or bacteria around the face. Uh, they're inhaling just all kinds of bad stuff. And so I think it's about time and we can use this as an example to stand up and say enough is enough. We're taking off the mask. If, if, it, if the pandemic is not scary enough for these people to wear masks on a regular basis, then you know what? It's really not that bad. Okay, because if this was a deadly disease, look at all these people not wearing masks. If it was that deadly, they would have masked up. If it was that deadly, they wouldn't even be there. All right. We can see right through this BS because that's exactly what it is. All right. Now, here is, uh, boy, this is the evil person of the week. And I I'd like you to reach out to this person. We will have some contact information. Um, this is a, um, a Loudoun County assistant principal threatens to charge maskless elementary school children with trespassing uh, for showing up to school without wearing masks. Um, of course, the uh, luckily, our, the Attorney General of Virginia is going to intervene in this. But Loudoun County, if you might recall, is the same, excuse me, the same place where a transgender student uh, who is a male uh, raped a young girl in the bathroom. And they, rather than charge him with anything. They just transferred him to another school where he did it again and they covered it up. And then they charged and arrested the dad of the girl for speaking out about this. So these people are real scum. These are probably some of the worst individuals uh, that you will ever come across. And they're in charge of our children. And so it's about time we get this person whose name is Janet Davidson. Uh, fired from her position and make sure that she never participates in lording over children again for the rest of her life. I mean, what a complete scumbag. 
So we will put that information up on the website as well. Okay, moving on real quick, uh, just to kind of wrap up the news here. Another instance of, of uh, teachers just being inhumane to children. They locked and barricaded massless children in a gym and turned down the, the thermostat to freeze them out. Uh, this is in Oakdale, California. And so, again, just inhumane treatment of our children. And these people need to be locked up for their crimes. Um, and a follow-up to a story we covered last week, Senator Ron Johnson sends a letter to the Secretary of Defense demanding information on shockingly high COVID-19 vaccine injury among military personnel. As you might recall, that was a 300% increase in myocarditis, a 300% increase in miscarriages, as well as a 1,000% increase in... Um, in neurological disorders amongst our military. And uh, since then, um, the FDA has since deleted Moderna's vaccine data showing a rate of heart inflammation post-vaccination, uh, which is 2.6 times higher than previously reported. So that is close to about, that's so 260% or close to 300%. So they're deleting the data. Um, here, CNBC is running cover, is running, uh, you know, blocking for, uh, the Moderna vaccine, saying that it's rare. Again, they've been saying this from the beginning. It's extremely rare that people get myocarditis and inflammation uh, from the shot. Um, and, and this is no different. Again, they're trying to cover it up. And then um, the CDC, um, interestingly, signals changes to COVID-19 vaccine schedule in part to address heart inflammation. So um, on the one hand, we've got people trying to cover it up. On the other, we've got some seemingly brave people coming out from the CDC who are trying to expose this. So we'll keep you posted on, on that. Um, and then finally here, um, uh, we're going to go to Israel, which is one of the country of one of the highest vaccination rates in the world. And they have the highest number of COVID deaths per million people this week. Within 80% of serious cases are fully vaccinated. So next time anybody tries to tell you that this is a pandemic of the vaccinated um, or excuse me, a pandemic of the unvaccinated or that vaccines are safe and effective, I want you to share that article with them. So that's why I post these articles up at the Free America uh, website or excuse me, at the in the show notes section of each episode so that you can share this information with the people that you know, people that you care about and people that you're frankly debating with online on, on platforms like Twitter or Facebook and the like. Um, this is the ammunition that you need in that battle. So please take advantage of these links that I put up and use them to help fight back against this disinformation and misinformation campaign that's being wielded by these, these, these maniacal globalists that are, that are hell-bent on destroying both the United States and the rest of the world. Um, on that note, we are going to our guest today, which, as I mentioned, is the author of of a uh, of a of a new book, uh, really just summing up in 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 um, in great detail exactly what is going on here. The name of the book again is COVID nineteen and the global predators. We are the prey, and this is uh, written by Dr. Peter Bregan and his wife Ginger Ross Bregan. So please welcome to the show, Dr. Peter. Bregan. Hello, Dr. Bregan. Welcome. Well, Nick, that was, I think, one of the best uh, news commentaries I've ever had the pleasure of sitting quietly and listening to. <laughs> well, thank you, you for your patience and your you kind know, words. You did a great job of, uh, of covering the news. Um, 
uh, and you actually, you know, came up with a few things that I haven't, I didn't, I wasn't aware of. I didn't know that uh, the uh, people were going to get refunded from their ten million dollars of that was stolen from them and the truckers. And yeah. uh, your coverage of the trucking uh, is so important. Um, I just wanted to start out and say that that was a really top-notch coverage. I really appreciate listening to it. Oh, well, thank you. You know, I, I, I try to deliver as, as much information to our, our viewers and listeners as possible, as like I said, kind of at the end there, for them to use, to share with yeah. people, to to use in the debates with these people that, you know, are putting out all this misinformation. And, I, you know, because this is an information war. You know, people like Alex Jones had it right. Uh, this is an info war. <laughs> yes. So, <laughs> so some um, of some things he missed a little bit in his sure. wild imagination. Sure. Yeah, he could, he goes yeah. out there. But you know, when you're that far ahead of everybody else, um, you're alone. Yeah, and you don't get uh, you don't get enough feedback to sometimes letting yourself go off a bit of a deep end. The right. man has been brilliant and courageous, and he's helped educate me and Ginger. And uh, two years ago, I probably would have said, "What?" Alex Jones, he's that conspiracy theorist. Sure. Yeah. <laughs> Trouble is that my wife says, uh, you know, yesterday's headlines are today's realities when it comes to conspiracy theories. Yes, it's amazing. You know, there there was a point many years ago when I was listening to Jones and I thought, man, there's no way that stuff could happen. Yeah. And here we are. And, yeah. you know, pretty much, you know, 90, 95 percent of what he said came to pass. And absolutely. And so, yeah. But you know, he's still coming to pass. Yeah. 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 So, but no, I mean, it's, it's, it, it really is, I think due to uh, the, the detailed work and investigation that, that people such as yourself do that help to um, reinforce or, or, you know, kind of validate some of these things that he's been talking about, you know, I, in reading your book, I was just blown away by the level of detail and the, the meticulous documentation of all of the different aspects of, of what we're dealing with here. This is just, this is much bigger than, than COVID-19. This is something that, that they've had planned for a while. And, you know, so I, I, I'd like to just start off by giving you the floor to talk a little bit about, about the book and really, and let's, you know, let's dive into it. Yeah. Well, you can, you can get the book directly from us if you're in the United States only. And that our website there is uh, it's a dedicated website for the book, and it's the book subtitled WeAreThePrey.com. So right. WeAreThePrey.com, and uh, you'll you'll get it at a at a discount. But uh, also in the United States and worldwide, you have to go to the internet bookstores, which carry it, and we'll get it to you quickly. Um, and you know, there's Amazon, whom I criticize in the book. There's uh, Barnes and Noble is books a million. Uh, the whole array of stores are carrying it, and it's now sold sixty five thousand copies, probably more even now. Wow! About half from our website and half from uh, international and uh, other people using using those uh, uh, documents. One of the using those stores. One of the things we did, which no other, uh, I've never heard of another uh, publisher or authors doing this. Um, we had a, a good solid manuscript as far back as March, which you've seen, 
uh, yeah. of the book, but, but we worked on it through August and we didn't want the people to have to wait months to get the information. So anybody who ordered the book along the way from us at her website, it's not going to happen now because you'll get the book right away. We, we sent the manuscript of the book in whatever stage it was out ahead of time to folks. And um, that helped get the word out. So in addition to those 65,000 books, tens of thousands of manuscripts got mailed out just as PDFs. And I'm sure people sent them around just to get out the word uh, about what was happening. And we're now going into our first really intense uh, publicity campaign for the book. So we haven't even done that yet. Um, so uh, we're, we're just very happy it's getting the reception it is. There's introductions by the three of the very top mm. COVID-19 doctors. Yes. Peter McCullough, uh, he would be wonderful on your show. He's an MD and an MPH. Yes. And um, Zev Zelenko, who, uh, MD, who was, uh, both these men are heroes. They both started the whole movement to treat patients, to right. defy the world the globalists or the powers of the world that we'll be identifying more about and to say, no, we have good treatments. Why are we killing? We're killing people by not treating them. We're killing them by putting them in hospitals and giving them the wrong treatment. Now we actually give them remdesivir, which is a Oof. terrible toxin yeah. and we're killing yeah. people instead of yeah. allowing them to be treated. Um, and and uh, Lee Valit is also uh, an author, MD, another physician, and she's got a wonderful organization, truthforhealth.org, that people can go to to get early treatment um, protocols and, and find doctors that will give you early treatment. On And uh, her medical director is Peter McCullough. So we're all working together both to... to uh, to give the world the best medicine, which our book does, in addition to all the other things, we talk about the best treatments and why they've been stopped. And um, also to free America. You know, I have my own show on uh, Bright Here on TV, which also goes up on Roku. That's uh, Mike Adams created a new station. And um, I, call, I call this show um, Refounding America and reclaiming ourselves. And it's live at, at 6 p.m. Uh, Wednesdays every week, and that's very exciting. We're doing a lot to do outreach and get this this word out as, uh, as much as we can. Mm -hmm. I thought that since we talked about early treatment a little bit, I want, let me emphasize that to begin with, because I am a physician as, as a psychiatrist. I'm a physician. <clears throat> and um, there are early good treatments that involve uh, ivermectin, especially for the more serious ill people, and then involve um, hydroxychloroquine, especially for the early treatment people. Both of them are good as prophylaxis for people my age to take. Right. Um, and all of this uh, you can find in our book. And then it, the very latest is going to be updated, you know, on um, Dr. Valit's um, organization. Um, and people might want to know why would, just at the start, why in the world would our government, why would it kill people, yeah. murder them on a large scale? Why was it necessary? For what program was it necessary? Right. 
Well, the key to a lot of what the global predators are doing is some a federal legislation called the um, use the um, authorization. Oh my gosh, the <laughs> I got to admit it, I'm I'm blocking on it. That's but okay. It's emergency you know, use authorization. That's folks. Use I'm, authorization, I'm right? I do that a little bit, folks, because I'm 85 years old. That's okay. That's that's completely <laughs> fine. I'm almost 50, and I and I do it as well. <laughs> Occasionally, I'm going to just. Yeah. Oh my gosh, where but is my cheat sheet? Yeah, in your book, you know, emergency use authorization. Yeah, emergency uh, use uh, authorization. You know, they, they can't get EUA for a drug unless there are no other treatments available, right? That's right. You can't have any emergency use authorization if there are other drugs necessary, uh, uh, safe and effective drugs available that have been approved for any use by the FDA, not not for obviously right. off label use, you know, not as well as prescribed use. Uh, yeah, because obviously they're not going to have drugs that are prescribed for COVID 19, but they have drugs that have been used for decades to treat right. viral infections, viral right. pneumonia. Chloroquine is, is one of them. It's been around for what, 50 years or so? Yeah, that's right. And I'm an expert in um, adverse drug effects. Uh, one of the ways that I have had, look, developed the skills that go into the book, what you know, how, how would I end up right? I write the book. Ginger does as much or more research than I do and has, has as much of the ideas as I do. And um, it's often some of the best ideas. So she's co-author of the book and she's the publisher of the book, bless her. Um, we didn't even try to get this out through a traditional publisher. Though I've published 20 books with traditional publishers and I've got uh, about 70 scientific articles out. We we said, no, this one we're just going to do. Yeah, that's and, probably uh, the wise choice. Even if we got a major publisher, they could slow it down. They could screw us up and fool right. you, change your title, make it look ugly. They can do a lot of different things if they're right. mean enough about it. Or just, so or we, just kill it all together. Right? Yep, they can yeah. do that. Then it takes your time to sue them and so right. on. So we, we published it ourselves. But um, the... The, the expertise that I got that went into this work was that way back in um, 1994, that's one of the big dates, I was asked to be the single scientific expert for all the combined Prozac suits against the manufacturer Eli Lilly. So they had dozens of lawyers and maybe 150 lawsuits against Eli Lilly for Prozac for alleged uh, violence and suicide, mayhem, psychosis, mania caused by the drug. And as the single uh, scientific expert behind them, I uh, was empowered to go and look inside the records of Eli Lilly. And in those days, actually paper. So I went into, you know, a, a huge room full of boxes and worked my way through all the court ordered inside data and um, brought in an assistant with me and uh, worked with Ginger. And together we published the book, Talking Back to Prozac, which was a, almost a million uh, uh, bestseller. Wow. Um, and so we have this long history, both of us, of deep diving into material. But also, I've been writing medical books. My first medical book came out in 1979. 
And these books had to stand up in court to, yeah. when I'm medical expert testimony, almost always on behalf of injured patients and people who have been just hurt by uh, malfeasance of doctors or drug companies or other large organizations. So that prepared me and it made me realize when COVID came that, well, Ginger and I, that made us realize we we used to think my career was going to slowly dwindle as the conscience of psychiatry. I was getting tired of writing books about how bad the drug companies were and how they were sure. leading psychiatry. And then this came along and Ginger smiled and said, you know what? God was just preparing us to join hundreds of thousands of other people, not yeah. alone anymore, to take yeah. on COVID-19. I, I know several people that have, that have come out of retirement to fight this war. Yes. Know. Uh, or our, change our, their careers, change their careers. Sure. Which is what yeah. I did. I went from our, being the conscious of psychiatry to joining the fight for freedom and defeat the COVID-19. Well, I mean, but you've got a lot of experience in pharmaceutical malfeasance. Yeah. Yeah, so you're perfectly suited for this. Like like you said, like God prepared you yeah. for, for this moment. I mean, you know, this is the most critical moment in, in modern human history, really. Yes. Uh, that's that, and that's not an overstatement. Um, well, I, I don't think it's an overstatement. See, we've had murders. Mass murderers are nothing new, folks. I think this is so important because they say, look, it's doctors accusing people. And I'll name some names, people I think are mass murderers. And, and they say, well, how can he do that? If people don't behave that way. Oh, yes, they do. Yeah. I yeah. mean, who do you want to think about? How do you, how do you think that, you know, they built the Chinese empires, before our recorded history, how did they build the Roman Empire? How did the, uh, uh, you know, the uh, the Muslims, uh, Islam, invade Europe, and how did Europeans fight back? And do you think right. they didn't commit either side mass murders along yeah. the way out of rage and hate? And then, of course, we get to the 20th century, and it was the most murderous century in the history of the world. We have Hitler killing, murdering 20 million people outside of the Holocaust, yeah. 20 million civilians, not even war casualties. Sure. We have Stalin killing probably 50 million non-military casualties. And uh, Mao and his predecessors, maybe 100 million. So yeah. we're looking at these massive death counts. Human beings, when they get power, will do the most terrible things, unimaginable, not even imaginable, but, but unimaginable. And as we started looking at this, um, I'm Jewish, Ginger's Christian. Um, I felt like um, I was I was confronting some awful dark force. I felt like there were there was something in the air trying to shut me down. I thought, God, no wonder nobody else has looked. I mean, I'm not believing what I'm uncovering. Yeah, it started. Uh, what what got us started was interesting. We were still debating in early March or March, mid-March, whether to enter in and use our skills. We wrote a few things. We, we started to talk about it. People were interested. And Ginger brought me a paper. She said, I found this. Uh, I had to dig, dig, dig past somebody's tweet. And I came up with this paper. It's 2015. And uh, honey, unless it's a fake, um, this article is a a published journal article about the United States collaborating with China in 2015, making SARS-CoV viruses. And right. here everybody's telling us it's ridiculous. China couldn't right. do that. China would 
never release it. Uh, you know, that's impossible. Uh, and we're saying, well, we're seeing, uh, you know, it seemed obvious that China must have released it, but we didn't it, know that there was absolute scientific evidence. And it, it really does. I mean, even for the layman, someone such as me uh, who looked at this right off the bat and thought, wait a minute, the, 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 this supposed wet market is really close to the Wuhan Institute of Virology, where they studied these very viruses. And just you, you, utilizing, you know, logic or, or, or Occam's razor, really, you know, is what's the, the easiest, uh, the, the simplest explanation is usually the correct one. And in this yeah. case, you know, it's a very convoluted explanation to say that bats traveled 900 miles to this wet market to be consumed. And uh, yet versus uh, here's the place that is actually conducting these experiments where it could have escaped from either you know, accidentally or possibly intentionally. And you've got the paper right there saying that that's exactly what they do. They make it as what they do. They're professionals at making SARS-CoV viruses. It's their favorite thing to do in the lab. Yeah. And the reason for that is not because there are any dangerous SARS-CoV viruses in nature that we know of. I've now tracked it. No one has, no one has dared challenge it. While Fauci is saying we do this work so that when we get more emergencies of SARS-CoV deadly viruses from nature, we will be able to treat them with vaccines because we'll be making our own SARS-CoV viruses and making vaccines and on and on. It makes no sense at all. First of all, there was never a SARS-CoV virus found in nature, not to this day ever. And there was an epidemic of SARS-CoV viruses in 2003 and four, and guess where it started? In China. China, of course. And um, <laughs> everybody went looking desperately for where did this come from, and I think that that was a smokescreen very possibly even then, because simultaneously with this, starting in 2003, four, the Chinese claim they they uh, they did this by isolating the wild virus that caused the epidemic. It was short-lived because it was so deadly. It was easy to track, easy to control. There were 8,000 cases worldwide, 800 deaths. Very small with a lot of deaths. Well, the, uh, the uh, Chinese by 2003 and 2004 were already had four leaks of viruses that were SARS-CoV mm -hmm. resulting in a few deaths that they got rapidly under control when they found out a sick person had left their lab and spread it. So they were leaking SARS-CoV, which you'll never see Fauci talking about, but I, I documented from Chinese newspapers and uh, from, you know, scientific documents and from some stuff that's uh, kind yeah, of- you got the smoking gun. You've got the yeah. evidence. It's all there. It's, it's uh, nothing, nothing, nothing speculation. And what I'm saying, unless I say it is speculation, is it's based on some data you can find in the book. Right. And um, they, uh, we have had now seven to eight SARS-CoV leaks from labs in, this, in the Far East, from China, from Singapore, and from Hong Kong. I think one of them from Hong Kong. Now, the Wuhan Institute wasn't even there in 2003 four. So it would have been maybe from the Beijing or some other, or maybe they were experimenting. Mm -hmm. um, according to um, uh, 
a, a very good Chinese scientist. Um, she she has uh, she has found that um, that the Chinese have a habit of testing viruses on their own people because the the communists don't view individuals as matter. Right. It's all about the collective and what's the collective, collective and and they just don't get into um, uh, into this kind of uh, worrying about killing Chinese or killing, you know, uh, dissidents or killing um, right. As they, like with the Uyghur Muslims right now, they you know, you know they yeah, they don't care about killing people to to harvest organs. Right. Um, so. We were just shocked by that. We were really shocked, and we by finding that while all the journals, Lancet, New England Journal, American Journal of Medicine, so on, they're all claiming it's ridiculous to blame the Chinese. The Chinese are fr are friends; they can be trusted. They have a lab. Um, and I'm thinking, what is this all about? What? Yeah. what do you mean the Chinese are our friends? And because um, <laughs> I knew enough to know that wasn't true, I right? Didn't know about the this virology stuff at the that's time. a big red flag right there when they're talking that way yeah yeah, they, uh, yeah that's right using language like solidarity lancet wants solidarity with the chinese scientists published a letter asking people to do that um so we decided that by mid-April, we actually thought about this and studied it further, did more investigation for about a month. And then in mid-April, I did a blog, and we, we did a blog together, and I did a video blowing a whistle on this article. And also on a subsequent article in 2016, in, in which there weren't any Chinese uh, on the collaboration. I mean, there were Chinese named in the 2015 paper. Oh, Fauci, of course, was funding it. There yeah. was another Fauci-funded article that came through, out. Uh, Peter Daszak in EcoHealth? Yeah, probably. I think he was through himself at that point. Okay. Just through it. Sometimes it's through Peter Daszak, but often it's right through NIAD, his organization. Yeah. I think it was NIAD at the time. I would have missed it if it was at that point, if it had been Echo Health. I, would, I wouldn't have known who they were. Sure. <laughs> How many know. people? I didn't. Yeah. I mean, who are they? Um, I might have looked it up. I mean, we tried to look up everything for a month before we went, but it, no, NIAD was right there. Um, and um, we sent it, we sent this material to somebody we knew who was very close to the Trump family and um, said, send it on to Trump. And three days later, Trump announced in a, um, one of the you know, conference. yeah one of his conferences uh, uh -huh. press conference he announced that uh that he had uh, he was canceling fauci's funding of collaborations between china and the us doing gain of function that is making lethal viruses um in the labs which which actually was made illegal or, or unfunded by obama and then in your book you say that fauci actually unilaterally just decided that it was up to him to reverse that uh, without telling Trump. I mean, they talk about just... It's a, little, you know, it's a little bit more complicated than that, but yeah, that's okay. the gist of it. What we now know uh, from our research is that Obama did cancel it shortly, uh, I think shortly before he left office, maybe several months before he left office, 
Fauci continued funding this 2015-16 research that was published. Because remember, the research goes goes way back. So I think it was 2000, it was probably 2014. I'm trying to think. It's probably, that would be Obama still, wouldn't it? 2014, yes. that Obama canceled he, on his own stationery. There's a moratorium written on his own stationery. Fauci went on with it. He just flat out went on with it. Ignored it. Wow. Ignored it. And then Obama, which we then learned, because these nobody writes about these things, he then canceled uh, be, before Trump came into office. He canceled his um, moratorium, and a new system was set up to monitor at NIH, and um, Fauci never used the new system. He just went on with it. He didn't even. They set up a system to monitor. Uh, uh, gain of function research. Yeah, which he was involved in, and but funding he, and supporting and writing scientific articles in support of, but he yeah. never took it to the NIH committee that was monitoring. This is like so crazy and yeah. bizarre. And Trump really, I mean, they just they just went around completely around Trump as they did with many different things. Like they, they operate as if they're above the law, as if they're... They they're operate the above the law. They literally do operate above the law. They they man, they capture agencies, and I'll tell you a little bit about how that takes place. Okay. Um, probably uh, the most important theme in the book uh, that people are learning the most from is part three. There are four parts. Um, and that is the discussion, not just of the vaccines and how they cause death and things that other people have been talking about in different ways and we we bring together all the info on um the is the deep connections going back to the start when 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 can we say they were actually planning to use vaccines in particular to become much more wealthy much more powerful and basically to develop a new system for running the world to use vaccines for that. And that's why, by the way, another reason why they didn't want any early treatments. They were not, didn't think they could run the world with new early treatments, but vaccines and planting people, getting babies to take vaccines, forcing mothers to give babies. I mean, you could change the world and make everybody obedient with vaccines. And it it seems to me, and I'll I'll continue here in a second, but from my research back dating back to like 2006, when I became aware of this, it seemed to me that there is a, a, um, a a goal of depopulation. And uh, this is stated in, in the United Nations own document, uh, agenda 21 is the agenda for the 21st century. And if, if you read it and you can, you kind of discern what they're talking about, uh, they're talking about depopulation because the earth is overpopulated. That's where you hear this, all this stuff about, you know, climate change and it's all human caused. And we need, um, you know, we need uh, more equitable solutions. We need uh, sustainable, right? That's code. Sustainable is code for depopulation. It means to be, they want to be more in balance with nature. So we need to get rid of people. And so I found that this, this whole vaccine rollout, uh, and it's and it's terrible side effects seem to fall right in line with that with that uh, agenda uh, of depopulation. 
but uh, I, you know, but smiling uh, because if I'd been on the air with you even 15 months ago, early in the stages when we were first writing, and you'd said that, I would have said, "Well, folks, I don't go that far. I mean, I mean, I don't know. I'm research." But you're absolutely right. Wow. It was so hard. In the first drafts of the book, we never said anything like that. And then we looked and we looked and we saw the huge death rates. I mean, the last time I looked, I don't know what it is now, there were 22,000 reports of of death. Uh, on bears, yeah. They, and that's essentially that, that's apparently very underreported. So it could be much greater by anywhere. Well, from, you know. I'm a real expert on that because... One of the things that I would work with in my medical books and my legal cases, product liability cases, I'm still doing one product liability case even now. Um, the things I used to look at were, were reporting systems. So I really know about reporting systems. The, the, the basic assumption is that about somewhere, and this is such a wide range, but somewhere between one and a hundred, maybe even less, and one in 10 uh, serious adverse effects get reported to the FDA or the CTC. Sure. Let's use a very conservative estimate of one in 10. Right. So if you have, um, let's say, 10,000 reports of death that are very in close proximity, they look like they're which we have, they're exactly like they're from the vaccine. Half of them occur within 24 hours. 80% occur within a few days. You have this kind of data. Uh, That's a a very clear pattern, absolutely clear pattern. That's exactly what these things were set up for. And then you estimate that of that that 10,000, only one in 10 are being reported. That means 100,000 deaths. Right. And and they claim that those are unvaccinated because the official designation of vaccinated is someone who is post 14 days from their second shot. So all these people that are are dying post vaccination within one or two days are considered unvaccinated, which is yeah. why they're saying it's a it's a pandemic of the unvaccinated. I mean, it's so evil the way that they are twisting the data. It is so evil the way they are twisting the data. Nick, yeah. you're right. You're right on. And, and folks, I want you to know, I didn't get to write um you know, 20, uh, 20 books with major publishers, several of them straight medical publishers. I've had a medical publisher my whole career since 1979. <laughs> when I published the first book by a doctor and still the only book by a medical a doctor, a psychiatrist, critical of shock treatment. Um, see, I knew right in the beginning how corrupt things were, but I didn't think they were this corrupt. That bad, yeah. Because I know yeah. I knew that killing people with shock treatment and damaging the brains of untold numbers of people with shock yeah. treatment. So people do deadly things to other people all the time, even psychiatrists, huh? Sure. And anesthesiologists that work with them and the nurses that work with them. Um but but what became clear to me was that they actually knew that they were going to kill people with the vaccines. And when I realized that, that never mind the chips and what might be in some chip or whatever thing, I don't know right. about yet. Right, we can't confirm that at this point. I knew, they knew they were killing people. Well, how did I know? Well, first of all, <clears throat> after reading the first scientific papers we got on on the 
this um, gain of function research, which remember the ostensible purpose was to make vaccines. And one of the first things I noticed was they were a not likely to ever do it because they mutate too much. Right. You see, ten percent of the cold virus, cold viruses, estimated to be SARS virus, uh, not SARS virus. Excuse me, COVID virus, coronaviruses, COVID yeah. coronaviruses, and so it never made a vaccine for their cold. And right. now, it, yeah. I mean, that would be making a million. That would make you a very, very wealthy, even if it was to stop ten percent of the colds and maybe more. Right. So. It had never worked before. I knew they'd been working on it in labs since 2003 and 2004 because that was the first epidemic. They tried making them 2003, 2004. They couldn't make them. Yeah. The second thing I found out from the papers was that um, that the vaccines by themselves were mimicking COVID-19 because they were reproducing the most damaging part of the virus, making your body make these spike proteins. So when you get one of these RNA or DNA viruses, you're making, you you have become a a GMO person and you're making the spike protein with your own RNA. You're you're walking, uh, you know, spike protein manufacturing machine. That's right. And they lied all about this. Oh, it only happened in the shoulder. Everybody, right. Yeah, it doesn't stay know. localized. We we know Not now, a- like post mortem from some of these um, some of these autopsies, that it travels to uh, all areas of the body, but particularly is damaging to the heart, uh, the and the brain. Uh, it apparently crosses the blood-brain barrier and can yes, cause it. Does. Well, the heart, the brain, and of course, and you know this too, to the reproductive organs. Oh yes. So that right. fits very much with the goals of these the global predators, all of whom pretty much want to make it the smaller planet with, you know, just some a lot of a lot of good slaves who aren't going to pollute the place too much so they can enjoy it. I swear to God, that seems to be yeah. what they do. Yeah, they mm-hmm. want an obedient. A workforce that's just smart enough to operate the machinery, but just, you know, are dumb enough to not stand up and fight back or at least docile enough. I won't even say dumb. It's just, you know, they're, 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 it seems like, and they're doing a damn good job of, uh, of psychologically, um, um, you know, beating us into submission, so to speak, where, where people just no longer, they've given up hope. They don't want to fight back anymore. I mean, you talk about in your book about, about animals who are caged and in zoos and they, you know, they, they give up after a while. They don't eat, they don't want to reproduce uh, because they've lost all hope of, of ever being free again. And this translates also to humans, uh, yes. same sort of, same sort of thing. And so here we have uh, people being locked into their homes, right. Or locked away from their relatives in hospitals. Right. And the psychological effect that that has is is devastating to people and it has been it's caused suicides to to spike to go through oh, yeah. the roof drug use alcohol abuse you name it yeah. well returning to this idea is it is it is it killing people and is it planned which i i mentioned to if, if nick had 
had me on the show uh, early in COVID, I would have, you know, I would have dissociated myself for that part of the show. Uh-huh. Sure. Um, it seems outlandish. It seems crazy. It's like a crazy conspiracy theory. No way would someone do that. But as you said, as history shows, uh, humans are quite capable of doing that on, and on large scales. Large scales. So what finally, what finally convinced me to come out, we're writing the book, remember, and we're, we've, we think we're going to finish soon. So we're advertising it and people are buying advanced copies by the tens of thousands. And, and we feel bad about that. We want to get the word out. So we're sending a manuscripts along the way while we're still struggling with the stuff that we're looking at. And, um, what finally uh, did it was um, when I got to review and I had to search it myself. There's no review in the literature. As many of the scientific studies, many funded by Fauci, some funded by our Defense Department, which is involved in this, uh, by the in, by the agency DARPA, which is the cloak and dagger. They do some upfront funding. It's I mean it's on the on the on the actual papers themselves the research studies, uh-huh. was finding one study after another that said, if you um, give these vaccines, you have terrible risks with them by themselves. We get cytokine storms. It was in the animal literature. We get blood clotting, bizarre blood clotting. We get the deaths of animals from this. Now, if the animal survives and you then expose it to COVID, the deaths start all over again and increasing because the the cytokine storms that would come from the spike protein attacking the body and the nerve and then the um, immune system fighting back with all its might and would, mm-hmm. would cause terrible overreactions in the body. So is that, is that well, like is that antibody dependent enhancement? That's exactly what I'm talking about. You are on top of it, and that's wonderful. When you then give somebody who's had that disease a vaccine, you get this enhanced antibody reaction. You get a, a, a bigger cytokine storm because first they got the disease from the virus out of the Chinese labs or its mutations out of the Chinese labs or later on. And then you're giving them more of a boost to their immune system by giving them, by uh, giving them the vaccine, or by by exposing them afterward uh, to the vaccine after they've had it. Either way, if you combine the vaccine in some way with the disease itself, yeah. you increase the overactivity of the immune system. It's a dread, and they knew this. They, let me finish one bit and then I'll sure, sure. take a breath. And I appreciate the rests in between here. We've already, this is my third event today. So Wow. Busy man. Thank you <laughs> we, for we're doing a lot. This is the most, this is a really fun event talking with you because you know so much. Um, uh, oh my God. I, I got, I well, if you, if you, like you said, if you, if you explore, yeah, the- you look at the scientific literature, it keeps building up. Yeah, it starts around 2003 or four during the epidemic itself. The first small like epidemic it grows and grows, and then I found that in 2020, I didn't see anybody pick this up who was writing about it. 
a Fauci-funded paper in a major journal, reviewed the literature to some extent and talked about its own research and said, in 2020, we should not be experimenting on people with these DNA and RNA vaccines in the scientific literature, right as Operation Warp Speed is powering them through with woefully inadequate, distorted, fallacious research. So I had to say Fauci knew. He had to know the risks way back then because he was so active. He's been on top of this research. He controls a lot of the research. Uh People don't do research in this area without Anthony Fauci's approval. He's the world czar and controller of this research. So this research is coming out. Some of it that he must have lost track of or he didn't get to stop in time, but his own research is telling him, or he didn't care. His own research is telling him that uh, mixing the viruses with the uh, vaccination is going to be deadly and the vaccines by themselves are deadly. He had to know he was going to kill people. And now he certainly knows he is killing people because he knows at least as well as I am presumably better that somewhere around one in a hundred is the most likely reporting ratio. And these, we get 10,000 in this country, we're probably getting a hundred thousand actual deaths. And I know for myself, I know many deaths now from people who've been vaccinated. I knew hardly anyone who died from COVID-19. Same here. Same here. Yeah. And, and, and even, and I know um, people that have had side effects as well. Um, terrible. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I wanted to ask you too. I mean, you're talking about when when people reencounter the the virus out in the wild, uh, perhaps even a mutated version of the virus. Um, I wonder if 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 you can maybe shed some light on this. My question would be, um, if they develop the, the original virus in a lab, right? So they 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 you know manufactured it, and then it was released into the world. Um, can a manufactured virus mutate on its own or do they have to do that in a lab and then release like a mutated version? No, the, the, the manufactured virus is a virus and it's mutating on its own. Okay, right. Of course, that makes sense. I, I But I just thought that perhaps... There's always the chance they're releasing more. I mean, right. if only by accident. Because, I mean, we've had accidents in the U.S. labs at... Um, with coronaviruses going back years. Chapel Hill. Uh, at Chapel Hill. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, yeah. and from CDC monitored labs. And that's the irony here is that they say that, and you talk about this in the book, they, they say that they're doing this research so that they can develop ways to treat or prevent with vaccines or, or, or therapeutics. Um, but the irony is, is that these these advanced versions of the viruses don't occur in nature. They occur in the laboratory where they're created and then they're released by the very people who claim that they're trying to find ways to stop them from spreading. Well, we know very recently that Fauci this last week or two uh, with emails coming out that, you know, people are constantly demanding under freedom of information that Fauci gave like $50 million in research to three or four doctors who helped him by writing a paper saying that the virus came out of nature. 
Yes. That's the amount of control. But think about this. To argue that because we can make a virus in a lab out of a a virus, a bat virus, that we can take the poor bats and, you know, get their viruses out of them, kill them, and manipulate them to make a deadly virus means there's a risk of it in nature. Makes about as much uh, sense as, let's say, we uh, grafted the beak of a um, eagle onto a mouse's face in a lab and accomplished it, and then went ahead and claimed, you know, we've got a real danger of mice with beaks developing in nature because we could do it. <laughs> That's a great way to put it. That, it makes it's a- no sense at all. Because yeah. When we do something in the lab, we start out and we say, we're going to spend millions and millions of dollars to accomplish something with huge teams of people over many, many years working around the world toward one goal, to make a SARS-CoV virus in a lab. So Fauci accomplishes that, whereas nature is randomly doing things. Sure. It's not accidentally making TVs. It's not accidentally making deadly viruses to mimic ones we concocted in labs. Right. That, that it doesn't would be- do that. It's random. Evolution right. is the is the survival of of viruses that best adjust to their environment, mutations that best adjust to their environment. And the mutations that best adjust to the environment are the weaker ones that spread rapidly without killing anybody. Right. Because if they kill the host and they don't spread, it's pretty, you know, pretty logical. Yeah. Because the viruses that we know of that are really bad, the hunter viruses, the viruses that cause terrible bleeding from your nose and people get very sick, we contain them. What yeah. we can't contain is the common cold and the flu. Right. Right. Uh, which is why they, they, there's a usually a 50-50 shot that they get the flu va- vaccine right every year. You know, they, 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 they guess. They go, well, we think it might be, you know, H1N2 this year when it actually is H1N5. You know? well, that's they don't right. know. And it yeah. just doesn't work well, and it causes a lot of problems. We already had stopped getting flu, vi- flu vaccines. By the yeah. time we stopped, then of course we have not had the uh, any vaccines in our family. We have a family that consists of a, a seventy-year-old lady, my wife, and eighty-five-year-old me, and her mother, who's ninety-five. Yeah, <laughs> we don't get vaccines. Right, you know, it's it, they, they really don't provide much in the way of benefit, and the downside now, especially with these new this new mRNA technology, which it technically really isn't a vaccine by the standard definition. No, no, right? it's not a vaccine. Yeah, so it's at most, at best, a therapeutic. Um, but what we're finding out is it's a genocide weapon, actually. And now, they, and this is something that they've been talking about. They've been planning. People like Bill Gates, right, has been intimately involved with different foundations and different groups. And there's one you brought up earlier we were talking about called CEPI. At CEPI. Do you, you want to talk a little bit about that? Yeah. I, I think the real big push for all of this organized use of vaccines to take charge of the world is in 2010 when Bill Gates announces the uh, decade of vaccines. We don't talk about this enough. Why did Bill Gates, I mean, he's not the World Health Organization, why does he announce 
the decade of vaccines. Who is he to announce right, the decade right. of vaccines? And, and, yeah, at best, he's a philanthropist. He's not a he's not a uh, a virology he's expert. A, he's, he's not a philanthropist. I mean, I mean, <laughs> yeah, he's a wolf in sheep's clothing. You're a, right. you're above that slip of it. <laughs> <laughs> no, he makes tons of money and gains tons of. Power. He makes more money, right? He makes he, he gives away money, but he makes more in return. By he's got a great racket running. He he's really does. Yeah, and he, and remember, folks, he doesn't have to have money come into his own pockets. He's already got enough money to buy himself as many jets or boats or houses or cars or women or whatever else he wants. He can buy, 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 buy. What yeah. he wants is the power of money. So yeah. if his he creates a foundation like the uh, Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation, as it gets more money, he gets more power. And everything he gives away is calculated for power, mostly much of it in the health field, which he has decided early on to rule. And uh, then he creates SEPI in 2015. By the way, he, uh, the the announcement of the year, the decade of the vaccines, is at Davos, at Davos in Switzerland, which is with um, Klaus Schwab. The World the, Economic Forum, yeah. World Economic Forum. So he's working way, way back then announcing these things. And what is the World Economic Forum? It's a massive, I mean, I, you, I cannot believe the thousands of entities they work with, but it's a massive attempt to create a ruling fascism class. And I say fascism, not communism. They want to, to do what the new China does, which is a mixture of communism and fascism. They want to use corporations and corporate money working with governmental entities, not, not with their congresses or legislators, but with the agencies mostly or le some leaders of the governments to run the world through a fusion of corporate and government power and money. Like a corporal fascism. Right. Yeah. And it's utilizing uh, uh, bureaucrats to execute it as opposed to elected officials. Exactly. Hmm. And they're doing it. And that's what where what Fauci is. And one of the things they had to control, this is so interesting. I'll give you a little detail because it's chilling as to how far they went. All right. So they, they create this um, organization in 2015. They begin working on it. And in 2016, they published the preliminary business plan for CEPI, C-E-P-I. And CEPI is, I have to always read this, the Coalition for Epidemic Preparedness Foundation. And who's involved with it? Well, in the planning phase, they're working with the CDC, the FDA, and other people. They're working with all many big companies like Pfizer. They're working with Moderna. They're working with um, agencies throughout the world. Well, the agency they most had to capture is called BARDA, one you probably haven't heard of. It's in the U.S. It's the Biomedical Advanced Research and Development Authority, BARDA. BARDA yeah. is the one that's implementing what I told you about earlier in the uh, show, the EAU. EUA, the Emergency Utilization or Emergency Use Authorization, the EUA, the Emergency Use Authorization, because that's what is going to set up 
paying off their two chosen companies, which are Moderna and Pfizer in the biggest market, the USA, and the world's leading market, the USA. So they've got all these people, they're working with them. They're all involved in, of all things, CEPI. There it is, the preliminary business plan. We found this, folks, as the first human being outside of these billionaires who are using this document to make their plans. And one of the things in the plan, on two separate pages in the plan, is the drug companies will get all of their direct and indirect expenses paid for rushing through vaccine platforms. And they start building them right then. They are building in 2015, 16, and 17 what will become warp speed and eventually will be called the Great Reset by Klaus Schwab. Klaus Schwab is involved in the decade of vaccines from the start with Bill Gates. And who do they go to first? In 2010, just to backtrack a little bit, in 2012, they go to the UN. And they get the UN General Assembly to approve Bill Gates's plans for the decade of the vaccines. And it's already talking about this fusion between corporate wealth and um, the UN and the World Health Organization. But then you have- They're they're, they're going around all of our our, uh, traditional uh, democratic institutions, right? That's right. They're going around the Western world's democratic republics or constitutional republics. Right. And um, later- I mean, they they like to brag about it. Later, uh, Klaus Schwab will publish a book in 220 in the middle of the summer of the pandemic, and he'll say the big enemy to us is a patriotic constitutional United States of America because it is the enemy of globalism. Yeah. So, And what is uh, Trump doing from the start? Before his election, he's criticizing globalism. Right. He's explaining, in fact, that why he doesn't care whether he doesn't get any money from the Kochs, who was big donors, this family, to the Republicans and who claim to be, quote, libertarians. That is, we believe in complete freedom. And one of their arguments is that workers must be free to find work anywhere they want to go in the world. We must have open borders so that Mm -hmm. workers are free to go anywhere. Well, actually, there's another more dominant theory of libertarianism, which is that countries have a right to defend their borders. <laughs> I like that version. Yeah, that's a cent- That's the central version is <clears throat> that independent republics can defend themselves from outsiders. That's the key. Otherwise, they can't exist. Right. We don't want the, the, the independent republics to, to exist. And, and Trump said, I'm not going to flood this world, this country with cheap labor for you. I'm going to maintain the wages and I'm not going to outsource for you to China because that's where you got all your big investments. So basically, he really told off the Koch family. But the Koch family is but one and not even anywhere near the biggest of the global predators. I mean, all the top all the top tech companies, all the top billionaires, say the top five or 10 billionaires and tech companies are all looking to China as their big investments. 
They all right. want. This is a massive market, right? One, you know, over a billion people. What is it? One point five now, I think. Something like that. Anyhow, yeah, China's yeah. a, a very. Right. It's very. It's very enticing and lucrative for these these yeah. mega corporations. You know why Nike has such a an interest in China, right? And also for the cheap labor that yeah, that it provides, yeah. the slave labor of the Uyghurs and things like yep. that. So, but, but, you know, mainly it's so corrupt. It's a third, like a third world country only has a powerful government. You can go in there and corruptly do anything you want. And Bill Gates is one of the few Westerners that's really been honored by the regime. Hmm. It's really amazing how close Bill Gates is to China. And there's many books about the relationship those kind of relationships but none of them tie them into to the real whole global for some reason this man me who is didn't get his degree in political science he was well he's going to be an american history and literature guy until he went pre-med um, really? me, me. um but but, but it's, it's that legal work and the medical books that really got me to, to do this dive but the um these people are so close. So when he is, when they're working with the UN and they got a World Health Organization is involved very early before Tedros was even there. Mm -hmm. And that means you're working with communist China because Tedros is a puppet of communist China. Right. Communist China, along with the US, was the top um, contributors to China. But they, they, uh, they know the US is, you know, doesn't, exert power anywhere near as much as China. Well, they and they so got really upset when, when Trump pulled money out of the, of the World Health Organization, and then Gates stepped in and filled that void with his money along with China. So that tells you, can, you can see that. Rescued who? Yeah, yeah. You see that. You can see it. The, the, the picture is becoming clearer now. You know? Now, I want to jump ahead to breaking news. <clears throat> I can go back and keep talking here for a long, long time. But I have some breaking news before right. I... Before I get too tired for, after this long day. Okay. Um, and the breaking news is that in January, the World Health Organization director, Tedros, announced <clears throat> to his uh, executive committee, and now it's been followed up, that he wants, we, with that, that he, the big lesson from the COVID 19 experience is that we must centralize healthcare in the world. And the only place to centralize all health care is guess where? In who? China. Now, and that oh, the means World Health Organization. World Health Organization. It's yeah. in the world. Now that means China, Bill Gates, it means Klaus Schwab, it means uh, uh, you, you know, our own Fauci, who's been funding. He's treasonous. He has been treasonously funding the Wuhan Institute's biological warfare program because that's what they do at the Wuhan Institute. Right. That's not, okay. and that's not hyperbole. That is literal treason. That is it's literal treason. with that's an enemy against uh, the country. Yeah. And you know, as if to really make sure everybody understood this in January, as the hints of the breakout occurred. Um, the Chinese Communist Party appointed the new director of the Wuhan Institute, who is a woman who is their chief expert in the army, biological warfare. You never hear that in the press. I mean, it is a biological warfare institute. Everything in China 
is together under the party. Right. I and, mean, and even it, the largest corporations and, and corporate heads like Jack Moff, they, like he gave a hint of, of uh, you know, criticism of the communists and they disappeared him. So they, wow. um, all the corporate, everything is under the Chinese uh, regime, much, much more so than the U.S., where in fact the U.S. Uh, government is more under the control of a combination of the uh, globalists in China than under its own control. Right, which is obvious. You see the, the uh, just alone in the, um, in the censorship uh, along big tech pe- platforms and places like you know YouTube and Twitter and Facebook, and I remember once getting uh, some kind of message where it said that, uh, you know, we follow the World Health Organization directives on what is and is not considered, uh, you know, uh, you know, treatment or a way to treat COVID nineteen or something along those lines. And I thought, wait a minute, when did the United States start getting dictated to by the World Health Organization what we should or shouldn't do? Yeah. It, it just seemed very strange to me. And now it's you're right saying that, that now they're just out in the open about it. Yeah, now they want to actually control everything. And they'll do it with uh, accords or treaties. I did some legal research when I saw that what he was trying to do. And I looked at, uh, you know, what what, is, uh, what does uh, the UN say about treaties and accords and what does uh, international law say? Well, they're binding. Treaties are binding. And accords right. are binding, binding under international law. They've already gotten for this program the approval of the European Union. Wow! The so Council- so they, they they've 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 ratified it because uh, I believe that's the other the, the next step. They haven't right? ratified so- yet, okay. but they have announced their support. Oh wow! India has announced its support, and then a number of third world nations have announced their support. There's no ratification, but that's we have. That's the big challenge now that nobody's um, talking about. Yeah, um, that's scary. And I want, I want to tell you, just tie up one other piece that I could talk for days, but I think I'm going to be getting tired soon. Of course, uh, yeah, no, we've only scratched the surface, but I do appreciate you. Taking taking the time, and I know, like you said, you, you must be exhausted. So I'm kind of tired. But let, yeah. let me give you one other tie-up piece of news that we have just most more fully disentangled. So, when why would a bureaucrat like Rick Bard, as I mentioned earlier, um, why would he use Bard? How could he? What would be the motivation to stop Trump from giving out? Uh, you know, millions of life-saving doses of um, hydroxychloroquine. I call Rick Bard in my my writings about this, I call him a mass murderer to do this. And they're all mass murderers to do this kind of thing. Well, I mentioned to you that Bard was tied very closely to CEPI from the beginning. And in fact, after Trump removed him from his post, he couldn't fire him. He's civil service, he's deep state. So deep state was working back in 2015, formulating the uh, huge financial boondoggle of CEPI. Um, and um, and he, he, after he was removed from his particular post, he quit the government. He went to work for uh, one of the largest um, foundations in the world, Rockefeller. Actually, it's not one of the largest, one of the most influential. 
<clears throat> foundations in the world. And I looked up his bio and he brags that while he was working for the government, he helped influence the development of Bill Gates's foundation, SEPI. So then I looked a little further and this blew me away. And I only found this out a few weeks ago. They needed a CEO for SEPI. Hmm. So they picked Rick Bright's predecessor, the man who ran BARDA in the federal government, the key organization for giving money away to the drug companies and choosing them like Pfizer and Moderna to, for their vaccines. Right. The man who was in charge of it for five years, named Richard Hatcher, went from BARDA to be the lifetime permanent head CEO, which I've never heard of before, of SEPI. They literally use SEPI to tie up a, the most important federal agency for the coming pandemic. I mean, it's brilliant. It's incredible. And you can see they have so much money to offer directly, indirectly, under the table, over the table. In this case, hiring a man to be a lifetime CEO of a of an organization sponsored by the richest billionaires in the world. I mean, it's it's just unbelievable. I think that's not a bad one to end on. And I just have yeah. a discussion with you, but that's just overwhelming. It is, you know, and I mean, there's so much to unpack with this. And that's why uh, your book is key for people to get up to speed with with what is going on. You know, and then to then uh, when you when you present information like this, it, it first of all it's bombshell but second it it uh it, it people then can follow along this path uh, of how we got to where we are and who the key players are and what they're doing in the organizations behind or, or what the organizations they use to accomplish this because a lot of people don't know about these things i never heard of barda or or sepi you know and 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 they they like it that way they like to stay in the shadows and to be unknown uh, so that they can get away with uh, essentially this genocidal plan uh, against humanity. So it's just, it's, it's really through killing people and genocidal through sterilization. Yes. Right. The, 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 the killing uh, of the, you know, the elderly and the, the infirmed um, and then the sterilization of people on top of that. And it is a multi-pronged attack on humanity and the majority of which is coming from China in the form of biological warfare with this, with the virus, chemical warfare with things like fentanyl, psychological warfare with the, the videos they put out of people falling dead in the streets, which caused us to shape our policy here in the United States with regard to the lockdowns. So it's a, yeah, it's a multi-pronged approach on, on the United States and on humanity as a whole. And it's just, it is, it's yeah. so stunning and unbelievable, but you do a great job in in uh, lining it all up and laying it out for people in your book and once again i just would like to remind people uh the title of the book which is COVID 19 and the global predators we are the prey and i will be putting a link to that so you can you can find that uh here at the website at wearethepray.com as well as on uh, outlets like amazon and um and the other uh bookseller uh, uh can't think of their name right now Barnes and Noble, they all carry it. Now, in the United States only, because that's the only place where we could get the whole fulfillment process set up, yeah. you can buy the book from us at a 
somewhat reduced price. It's, you know, it's a bit of a discount. Okay. And, um, and that's on, on the site you mentioned. You just go to wearethepray.com. Um, and your show, you said it's on Wednesdays? Yeah, I have a show on brighteon.tv. Okay. It's live Wednesdays at 6 p.m. And it's real a real TV show. And it's uh, Mike Adams' TV station. And it's on Roku. So I can claim to have real, be on real TV now. All right. And watch it on t- my TV. Almost yeah. every TV made, I think, all of them now. Some of them even have Roku, R-O-K-U, built into them. Yeah. Yeah, I, I, I have uh, I have that on my smart TV. So I'll definitely be pulling that up. And I'll, I'll uh, include a link to it in, in the description section here. So, um, so people can link directly to it and they can find it because people need this information. It is key. And I want to thank you so much for, for taking the time to sit with us and to, um, begin to unpack this incredible, um, horrific story that we're all living through right now and giving people, uh, the information they need to understand what's going on. And of course, then, then, uh, be able to fight back against uh, this global tyranny. So thank you, Dr. Bregan, for joining us. We we talk about fighting back and how to do it. It's very comprehensive. Nick, you're you're tremendously informed and you're a pleasure to have conversations with. And uh, thank you for having me on. Thank you. It's been a pleasure, doctor. And I I hope to uh, have you on again soon. Definitely. Great. Thank you so much. Take care. Have a good evening. Good evening to all. Good night. Wow, folks, uh, I'm telling you, that's probably one of my favorite interviews of all time. And, and we barely scratched the surface. You know, I, I've spent the last few days uh, looking over Dr. Bregan's book, reading it in detail. And I tell you what, you got to get your hands on this, because if you want a really thorough and detailed explanation of how we got to where we are, what exactly is going on, who the key players are. Um, and it also has hyperlinks to all the references and all the, the news articles and the studies and everything that you need, kind of like what we provide here on the show, uh, all the all the ammunition you need to fight back uh, in this war against humanity by these authoritarian maniacs that have taken over our, our, our planet. And so, again, thank you to Dr. Peter Bregan and, of course, uh, his wife, Ginger, for putting together uh, such a comprehensive uh, compilation of information uh, and also for being a guest on the show and and sharing this information with you. So again, thanks to Dr. Bregan. And I want to thank you all for again, tuning into the free America podcast. And of course, for uh, helping to keep us on the air uh, and going to freeamericapodcast.com and sharing that link with people, sharing the the links to the audio versions or, or the video versions, as well as the links that we include in the show notes section of this episode and other episodes. That's the ammo you need to, to fight back. So I uh, want to thank you all for helping to keep America free. That's what free America is all about and helping to keep the world free because we are fighting back around the globe. We do have listeners and viewers from uh, six out of seven continents now. I think uh, we're still waiting to get onto Antarctica. I don't know when that'll happen, but hopefully sooner rather than later. But nonetheless, it is an honor to be here serving you and and to be providing you with this information so thanks again for tuning in to the free america podcast and we'll see you next week good night everybody